Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 456, 456 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And this is The Weekender. It's the 87th edition of The Weekender. We're glad you joined us for all things upcoming in the world of amateur radio, open source, and hedonism. And we'll get down to the good stuff, the stuff that makes life worth living at the end of the show, but we will hit open source and amateur radio first before that so we can write this off on our taxes as being informational before we get to the stuff that really matters but before we do all that let's go ahead and introduce ourselves i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill ne4rd and bill always starts off the show with this weekend in amateur radio and we hit the contest first first i guess we only need one first and Bill's going to tell us what those contests are for the next couple of weeks that you might want to join in and participate in. That's right. And these, of course, come from contestcalendar.com, the most wonderful, glorious contestcalendar.com in the universe. Uh, universe. universe. <laughs> it's, uh, things are going like well, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the first one uh, coming up this weekend is the AWRL International DX Contest. It runs from 0000 Zulu, March 5th, to 2400 Zulu, March 6th. Bands there are 160 through 10, no work, no 60 meters, of course. And this is the single sideband edition. So this is, of course, to encourage North American amateur stations to expand their knowledge of DX propagation on the HF and medium frequency bands and improve operating skills and improve station capability. Lots lots of improving and everything else there. Basically, it's so you can chase your DXCC using your lovely, sweet voice and saying CQ contest. So get out there and play the AWRL International DX contest. It uh, should be lots and lots and lots of fun. And uh, we had another contest here that I normally list, but uh, unfortunately... It's been canceled because this was the Open Ukraine Ritty Championship. So uh, if you were planning on doing your warble warble this weekend, maybe you can do something else in the uh, in the Ritty family to uh, to uh, support uh, Ukraine. Um, there are no state QSA party challenges or worked all QSA parties this weekend, probably because of the big international DX contest on sideband wiping everything out. So uh, maybe next weekend. Let's see what we got. Next weekend we have uh, South America DX, or sorry, South America 10 meter contest. I guess it would be DX to us. Uh, it runs from 1200 Zulu March 12th to 1200 Zulu March 13th. Band there is 10 meters, and I believe uh, Russ, you were on 10 the other day and said it was 
working pretty good for you. So ten was booming the other day. Yep, for sure. Yeah, so so it might be a hot contest. Uh, this is modes here are single sideband and CW, so you get to use both or one or the other. And it has a simple exchange for this contest as well. It's just the signal report and your CQ zone. So get your contest software set up and uh, be ready to uh, participate in this one. If you don't want to do 10 meters and you want to do top band, well, we got you covered because Stu Perry Top Band Challenge is also next weekend. Uh, runs from 1500 Zulu March 12th to 1500 Zulu March 13th on 160 meters. Uh, mode there is CW. And, of course, this event was created by a small group of contesters who were interested in top band. Uh, the most unique feature of this contest is that the point value of the QSO depends on the distance between the two stations. And you probably heard us mention this before because this one happens in December as well. Uh, December is the big one, and this is considered one of the smaller ones, I'm assuming, on the smaller contest for, uh, for the Stu Perry Top Band Challenge. But uh, if you have top band capability, this is a great one to uh, to get involved with. So check that one out. And next weekend we have oh we have three states running their QSO parties. We have Oklahoma, Idaho, and Wisconsin. And I did notice there was a there was a Nova Scotia party going on too, but I don't think that one's included uh, within this QSO party challenge because I believe it's only on 80 meters or something like that. It's really, really an oddball, oddball one. <laughs> so in case you're wondering and you happen to see the NS, NS uh, QSO or something like that, I can't remember, yeah, Nova Scotia QSO party. It is not included in the state QSO party challenge uh, as far as their website and stuff is considered. Um, you can still participate in it, but uh, it, it won't count towards uh, these, this particular award program. So anyway, uh, fun-filled uh, two weeks in contesting uh, to be had. What do you got in events? Well, we do have a few open source events I'd like to mention. The first one is the launching of the USS Midway commemoration. The USS Midway and I6IW does a lot of special events, but this one is specific to the date of its original launch. It'll be operating March 12th, 1700 to 235900 Zulu time. And wow, I can't even type today because NAR. What's NAR? <laughs> It's a combination of March and November, I guess. Uh, the call sign on this special event is NI6IW. As previously stated, the frequencies will be on or about 7.250, 14.070, and 14.320. Or it could be a bunch of other things because they are planning to operate multi-band, multi-mode, including D-Star and PSK-31 and other things. The USS Midway was commissioned in 1945, and its official call sign was NIIW. In 2004, the ship became a museum. It went through a series of call sign changes and eventually became NI6IW back in 2006. And they have a museum and they operate there pretty frequently and they have a lot of special events. So if you want a special event certificate or QSL card from NI6IW, check that one out. Next, we have the HamSci 2022 conference. This will be operating March 18th through the 20th, 1400 to 0400 Zulu daily. Call sign on this is November, November 4, Sierra Alpha. Frequencies will be on or about 7.074, 7.245, 14.074, and 14.245. And I guess they're going to be operating out of Huntsville, Alabama, which is Tony's neck of the woods. He lives down hmm. there. Interesting. So uh, various modes, including possibly digital, HamSci and NASA, MSFCARC. So that'd be the NASA Pacific Arc. <laughs> 
<laughs> whatever that is, will operate from Hamside Conference venue near Space and Rocket Center, which apparently is in Huntsville. Isn't that Marshall? Marshall. No. Marshall Space Flight Center. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll be operating on various bands and modes, check spotting networks for frequencies and modes, event info at hamsi.org and nn4sa.org. And if you want a QSL card, you just have to send a self-addressed stamped envelope. More information will, of course, be in the show notes and links to those sites. And finally, we have the 120th anniversary of the Rockville Bridge. This will be operating from March 19th through the 27th from 1400 to 0200 Zulu Daily. Call sign is Whiskey 3 Romeo. Frequencies will be various. Modes will be Moe's. Moe's will be various. Boy, I was having a good day today. Moe's. <laughs> Moe's. <nice. laughs> um, so lots of frequencies and lots of Moe's. Uh, so what is this? The Rockfield Bridge is the longest stone masonry arch railroad bridge ever built with 48 70-foot spans and a total length of 3,820 feet. That's 2,000 feet short of a mile. Exactly. No, that's 5280. Never mind. <laughs> I can't math. It is made of 220,000 tons of stone that took 800 workers two years to build. The bridge crosses the Susquehanna River, about five miles north of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So while you're there, get some yingling. Uh, the eastern end is in the Rockville, and the western end is in just south of Marysville. It was completed in 1902 by the Pennsylvania Railroad, which is a space on Monopoly. It remains in use today by the Norfolk Southern Railway and Amtrak's Pennsylvania route. The bridge was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1975 and was designated as a National Historic Civil Engineering Landmark in 1979. And links to more information about that will be in the show notes. Kind of cool. I saw I saw a picture of the bridge. It's a cool bridge. Yeah. One of the, one of the links in the show notes, if you click on it, actually has information about the the architecture and pictures and everything. And it's uh, it's quite an interesting bridge. You even a YouTube video. Yeah. Definitely doesn't look like a lot of bridges. It's, it's, it's a kind of a unique bridge. So, all right. So moving on, I did have a couple of announcements. Linux in the Ham Shack will be attending a couple of local ham fests in the next few months. Uh, Linux in the Ham Shack being me, because <laughs> I don't think Cheryl's getting up this early. And I don't think Bill is coming back from Ireland uh, <laughs> or, or Montana for, for the second one. <laughs> um so, yeah, the first one is the Oars Ham Fest. That's the one that's right here in town where we live, Mount Vernon, Missouri. That's on March 26th. That goes from 8 to noon. Linux in the Ham Shack will be, will be doing a talk, i.e. me, will be doing a talk called Linux in the Ham Shack. And I usually get about, like, seven people in my talk. So, you know what? Hey, that's pretty cool. It tends to be the same seven people, but what are you going to do? because <laughs> it's about the same hundred people that actually come to the event but they asked and they're giving me free space and i and wanted me to do a talk and i'm like uh sure so so check that out the link of course will be in the show notes and if anybody is somewhere near missouri and wants to visit a tiny ham fest uh there you go and then the next one is the smart ham fest which is the southwest missouri amateur radio clubs ham fest this will be the second one they've done i did the one last year i'm doing it this year too it will be in Springfield, Missouri on June 4th from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. The link, of course, will be in the show notes. So these are just local ones. It, we've got the booth refined to the point where I can set it up by myself in less than an hour. So I figured, what the heck, I'll go do this one, too. And they actually give away some decent prizes at uh, these different hand pests. So there are prizes that I never win, but, you know, you have to try. 
And finally, we have the Linux in the Ham Shack Ham Radio Challenge. I say finally because this is the last thing I'm going to talk about for a minute. <laughs> uh, Linux in the Ham Shack Ham Radio Challenge. And I put in here, get a nano VNA and keep it in your amateur radio arsenal. It's an inexpensive and immensely useful piece of kit. And I have links to the nano VNA site and the Amazon site where you can buy them. I just bought one of these. They're really cool. VNA stands for Visual Network Analyzer. And I mean, the first thing I did with it was test SWRs or, or, or map an SWR curve on an antenna. It can do a lot more things than that. It's really neat. The small screen ones cost 60 bucks. The big screen ones cost 90 and they're open source because they're built on, um, raspberry Pis, I believe they're have TFT screens sandwiched onto pies with custom hats and, and kind of cool things. And they're, they're really really neat they take a little bit of introduction and explanation to be able to use but they're really cool and you should probably just have one for, for the price <laughs> that they are yeah since you can use it it's an you know, antenna analyzer so right yeah it should be i mean we've talked about this in the past like you should have an antenna analyzer in your toolkit <laughs> just kind of a needed one and those things are so tiny they're really makes it really nice to have a very small one to be portable with you. Yep. And I actually put a link to the official one, the one that comes straight from the developer where they actually get money. If you, if you order them from Amazon, don't buy the knockoffs or buy directly from the developer. There's, there's links on the nano VNA site. I actually bought the bigger one. I bought the H four because it has a four inch screen instead of like a 2.5 inch screen, which is much easier to see. And also really, really cool. It's still a really compact piece of kit, and it's going to be immensely valuable going forward, I'm sure. And it's an open platform, so everybody should definitely have one. Go get one. And moving on, let's talk about this weekend in open source, and I'm going to go ahead and let Bill read the text on this one. Okay, and flipping back to that tab. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is, uh, this is Alpine Linux. I'm familiar with this one. Alpine Linux is an independent, non-commercial, general-purpose Linux distribution designed for power users who appreciate security, simplicity, and resource efficiency. Alpine Linux is built around uh, MUSL, LibC, and BusyBox. Uh, this makes it smaller, more resource-efficient than traditional GNU Linux distributions. Uh, binary packages are thinned out and split. Uh, giving you even more control over what you install, which in turn keeps your environment as small and as efficient as possible. Alpine uses its own package manager called APK, and the OpenRC init system, script-driven setups, and that's it. Open Linux was, or sorry, Alpine, Alpine Linux was designed with security in mind. All user land binaries are compiled as position-independent executables, executables, pies. Um, since we talked about pie, right? Uh, with a stack smashing protection. Uh, smashing protection. Okay. These proactive security features prevent exploitation of the entire classes of zero day and other vulnerabilities. And of course, the link to this is in the show notes, but I believe Alpine's also used in a lot of containers uh, as the uh, kind of like the Docker image base uh, because it is clean and fast, uh, if I remember correctly. And I, like I say, I haven't used it in a while, but I remember seeing docker tagged images <laughs> with alpine in it quite frequently in my uh my uh looking around uh docker docker hub and and other places so uh you probably ran into this if you do a lot of docker doc dockerization of of uh, os's 
It, it is used in a lot of containerization type platforms and dockerization things. I ripped out the part of the, the text here that, that talked about that, but um, it's something that we hadn't actually mentioned. I mean, we've mentioned it in passing, but we haven't mentioned it as a distribution to try because it's sort of an outlier, but it definitely has its place. And I haven't tested it as far as using it as a shack PC, but we can look at that going forward, but it looks kind of interesting. And there's a comment in the chat room from Dan KF5TQN about the nano VNA to make sure to get adapters because the nano VNA does use SMA connectors. So you might want to get SMA to SO239 to connect your antennas to, so you don't have to worry about that. And uh, I, I did that. I ordered a set of two of those. They're like six bucks on Amazon. If, if you search for nano VNA on, on Amazon, it suggests those for you. <laughs> Amazing how that works, right? Yeah. <laughs> you want one of these. Maybe you want one of these as well. Yeah. Or maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Dan says SMA to all the things. Right. <laughs> Anything you need to connect it to. Right. Yeah. So you should probably get an SMA to N as well. So you could do N and probably to B and C. So you don't have too many connectors in the way of your uh, vectorization or whatever <laughs> i will say let me say one thing about the nano vna uh, if you're doing like swr antenna you know analysis you need to calibrate it there's a calibration loop and maybe we'll talk about the nano vna in more depth in a later episode but it comes in order to calibrate it you have to you have to test it you have to have it test its connection with an open a short and a load and it comes with little SMA things for the open, short, and load, but it doesn't say which one is which. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so what, what I will say is there are two. There are two that are brass and one that's silver. If you look at the two that are brass, one has no center conductor. That's the open. One does have a center conductor. That's the short. And the silver one is the load. Just just so you know, if you're doing this, <laughs> because mine had no documentation whatsoever. <laughs> to indicate which one was which. So that's that's good information. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on, let's talk about open source events that are upcoming. And I'm gonna try and give a nice long introduction to Cheryl so she can stop whatever she's doing, come back to the Etherpad, <laughs> get down to the section she's supposed to read. And be all set to go when I say, here are some open source events that are coming up, and Cheryl's going to tell you all about them. All right, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> our, our first event is Open Source Community Day. It's March 24th. It's online. It's free. The information is Open Source Community Day is free. It's a virtual conference for developers working with the latest open source technologies. Open source development is impacting industries like finance, manufacturing, retail, and others, bringing improvements and significantly enhancing quality of life. Community collaboration has powered numerous innovations from better and more efficient manufacturing to new ways to have more meaningful interactions with customers. It's clear the trend will continue, so join us to learn about more open source projects, connect with fellow developers, and find your next project or opportunity. <clears throat> and there will be information in the show notes about that. The next one is the Python Web Conference 2022. It's March 21st through the 25th. It is online. The cost ranges from $99 to $199. 
The information is with sessions for beginner and advanced developers alike. Attendees will be immersed in Python best practices and learn how to solve complex web production problems from industry experts across the globe. The highly engaging format with 60 plus sessions about topics including Django, Flask, Pyramid, Tornado, Plone, CI/CD, containers, serverless, REST APIs, web security, microservers, and web sockets consists of five days of tutorials, talks, and numerous networking opportunities. Access to presentations and post-event recordings will be available exclusively to registered attendees. Again, more information in the show notes. And the last one is Open Source 101 2022. It's March 29th. It's online. It's free. And the information is Open Source 101 is a one-day educational conference covering the processes and tools foundational to open source, open tech, and the open web. All sessions will be delivered virtually online and are at an introductory or intermediate level to allow for the best on-ramp. <coughs> Excuse me or refresh possible. Target audience includes developers, technologists, students, and decision makers. The format includes TED-style keynote talks, as well as track sessions from industry experts. More information in the show notes. All right, very good. Those are actually more than a couple of weeks out by the time this comes out, but there's just apparently nothing happening in the near term. So I got the stuff that was as close as possible. And I see Bill posted a a picture in the chat of the <laughs> the three different connectors there and you can clearly see which one are the open and the short but it's the silver one that kind of, that could throw you off that is that is the load so i i guess they they tried to make it sort of quasi intuitive by doing it that way um <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i mean looking at it you can see it from the ends for sure well, but right, but there oh, yeah. are two. Dan saying his are all the same color. <laughs> well, see, funny. mine was mine was gold plated too. The load was mul- uh, it was partially gold, but it was also silver. So, uh, I, if you if you had one where all three were were gold or brass, um, I think you'd have a hard time figuring out which one was the load. <laughs> yeah, look for the insulator, like he, uh, like Dan said. That's the giveaway. You see a dielectric in there. Yeah, fair enough. But just just something to be looking for because the, there literally is no documentation with these things. <laughs> there are plenty of YouTube videos though that explain how to use them. So because they 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 be popular. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. We have the Linux and the Hamshack Open Source Challenge, and I just threw in here. Check out some utilities on your Linux system you might not have tried before or may not know about. Examples include IFTOP, IOTOP, HTOP, LSCPU, and LSHW, which all do really helpful and informative things. And if you haven't used them, you might want to try them and see what they do. HTOP for the win. Yeah, HTOP is awesome. Better than top by several orders of magnitude. So now we're going to come down to hedonism, where we talk about wine, women, food, song, and all the things that make life worth living. And and I always want to include men in there because it's not all about the women, right? (laughs) Especially because we know we have female listeners. So, and there are probably gay men too. So uh, let's go ahead and get into all the fun stuff and all the good stuff for the next couple of weeks. And we're going to talk about food and booze specifically, because those are some really good things. And we'll bring in here Cheryl, who always starts things off with food, because we all got to eat. So what do you got? 
Well, this week I decided, since it's been so cold outside, to share my easy chicken tortilla soup recipe with everybody. Who needs soup, people, on cold winter days? So the recipe calls for a can of refried beans, which is optional, uh, chicken broth, petite diced tomatoes, some rotisserie chicken that's been shredded, some taco seasoning, some cheddar cheese that's been shredded, and some crushed tortilla chips. So, and mix all this up in a saucepan and heat it up until it's nice and boiling. And then reduce your heat to low, cook a little bit, stirring, serve with your cheese and tortilla chips. So, it's very tasty. So, and for my mixed drink corner, what goes better with that than a strawberry margarita? So, um, and for this, you need tequila, Cointreau, lime juice, uh, some strawberries, either fresh or frozen, and some simple syrup, agave syrup, maple syrup, whatever you choose, and some ice. And, um, of course, you know, rim your glass with, you know, the lime and salt, um, and then put everything in a blender, blend it until it's all ready to go, and dump it in your glass and enjoy. So sounds pretty good. Might have to have one of those later. I always say I'm going to have one of these things as you mentioned them, and then somehow they never get made. But yeah, you never do it. <laughs> well, part of the problem is right now we're recording at two o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you've you've already drank. No, a beer. that's true. I'm already oh, three beers yeah. in. So yeah, so <laughs> I guess that's not the real reason. But all right, very good. <laughs> So I'm going to change up my drink corner for this time around. I'm not going to talk about a scotch or a whiskey or anything like that. I'm going to talk about beer. This this has happened before, so it's not unprecedented. But um, I'm going to talk about something that was suggested to me in which I went to Arkansas to buy and found to be quite good. So I want to talk about it. And that is the Yingling. Everyone around here pronounces it Yingling, which... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, w- I would assume that it would be an I instead of a U-E if it was actually the same in both syllables, but I'm going to call it Yungling because that, that actually sounds closer to what it should be, maybe. I don't know. But whatever <laughs> it is, it's Hershey Chocolate Porter. It's a, it's a collaboration. Yingling, America's oldest brewery, and Hershey, America's most iconic chocolate, are collaborating to provide... A once-in-a-lifetime creation for their loyal fans to enjoy. America loves beer and America loves chocolate, so Yingling and Hershey joined forces to bring the best of both worlds to their fans with a limited edition Yingling's Hershey's Chocolate Porter. The porter is a fresh take on the 200-year-old dark-brewed porter. Don't miss your chance to enjoy for a limited time only. However, I believe it's been around for a while, and I think they've made it a winter seasonal. So, their distribution footprint is not super large you can enjoy it anywhere from massachusetts to texas um and i think it goes as far west as like illinois something something like that uh we do not have it here in missouri however it is available in arkansas and since i don't live too far from arkansas i was able to obtain some and since I've mentioned it to a bunch of our friends on Facebook, it looks like I'm going down there for a run, and I'm probably going to have to bring back about three cases of it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, speaking of bringing back three cases of something, we had a poker game a week ago, 
And one of our friends who was here playing was talk I was talking about the Youngling Hershey Porter because it's good. And he was telling me that his dad, um, a year ago, I think, one or one or two years ago, something like that, found a beer that he really liked. It was like a bush, I think he said it was a bush apple. Does that sound familiar, Bill? Have you heard of a apple bush beer? Something like that? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Apparently it was a beer he really liked. This is the story. I, you can take this with a grain of salt because it's a story being related third hand. But he said he his dad really, really liked the stuff. So one day he went to a local convenience store or some sort of shop, <laughs> uh, intercepted the delivery guy from the beer distributor <laughs> and said, whatever you've got on the truck, just load it onto my trailer. And I'll, you know, you know, buy it. And apparently that, apparently he did. And again, this is a story. So, <laughs> Jeez, what state was this in? Jeez. Well, here, here in that. Missouri. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure that, yeah, I, again, whatever, whether or not this happened. So I, so at the end of the story, I asked him, so how much did he actually buy? <laughs> and the answer was two pallets. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and he had what kind of trailer? <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he has a big flatbed trailer. He owns a construction company. So, oh, he, okay. So that part of it is not fanciful. Yeah. Whether, whether this actually happened the way as described, you know, whatever. But <laughs> two pallets. I'm sure the distributor is carrying two pallets around in a delivery truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, from, <laughs> from the bush, story bush I got <laughs> from, I got that I got from the wife. Yeah, I believe it was close to two pallets because she was not amused. It, yeah. may, it may not have happened like the way he described it, but I can yeah. certainly see him winding up with upwards of two pallets of beer, one way or yeah. another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a limited edition Bush Light Apple. It's a limited edition. Uh, Hyvee stores in Springfield carry it. So, Bush Light. Yeah, Bush Light Apple. So <laughs> apparently, so if you want like any of it. <laughs> You have to go see Apple my friend's water? dad. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> Maybe it just tastes like apple juice. Maybe that's the whole thing. Well, I think you need to drink a pallet of it just to get a buzz. Probably. <laughs> Maybe. So. I know. I know. Me and a friend, we used to get a 24 pack, and you know, maybe about two thirds of the way through, you get a buzz. Yeah. I'm barely buzzing after three of these, but here we go. I, I suppose I should get back to the Yingling uh, Hershey's chocolate porter. <laughs> So, uh, so I put some deets down in here, and the first is the mash bill. Um, there is no mash bill, of course. It's uh, it's grain. It's it's beer. <laughs> so, the proof on it is nine point four. Well, it's way way up there on the scale. Yeah, it's four point seven percent ABV, which is actually pretty pretty light for a porter. But you know what? It is what it is. Yingling, despite its name, comes out of Pennsylvania. They're they're in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. The color on it is of course a dark brown it's a dark brown it's like a porter like any respectable beer should be no should be dark if you can see through it it's not beer um i don't know how to nose beer it smells like beer <laughs> um the taste on it is just really fantastic though because i've i've had some I've had some whiskeys and i've had some other beers particularly porters and stouts that are made with chocolate malt which has no chocolate. It's just um, it's just a darkly roasted malt, and it creates a sort of chocolatey taste. 
This sort of takes that taste to the next level and introduces a little bit of sweetness into it. You can definitely tell it has Hershey's chocolate in it because if you've ever had a Hershey's chocolate bar, you know exactly what it tastes like. And that taste is here, but it's not overpowering. It just tastes like a lightly sweetened chocolate malt in a porter. And it's really, really good. If you can get your hands on this stuff, I think you should. I, I believe it's become a yearly seasonal, and I'm hoping that's true. I can't, as popular as I've heard this stuff is, I can't imagine they're going to stop producing it, but I do believe it is seasonal. So it just so happens that the place I go to in Arkansas has a population of like 140. So they tend to have stuff lying around for a while. So I should be able to get my hands on it for a while. And uh, it's, it's really good. I love this stuff. And I'm going to try and keep it in stock as, as much and as often as possible. Um, the place I bought it from cost 20 bucks for a 12-pack of bottles. And my rating on it is delicious. It's very good. It's, it's, it's one of my new favorite things. So get some if you can. And Bill's going to talk about something that's way more interesting than Pennsylvania chocolate beer. So Pennsylvania <laughs> chocolate beer. <laughs> <laughs> What do you got? Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, a clonakilty. Clonakilty. Do, do we decide on how that sounds? Is that close enough? That, that sounds clonakilty. good to me. Something like that. Clonakilty uh, single malt Irish whiskey finished in cast. I, I don't think you're saying from, with enough brogue, though. It doesn't have to be like clonakilty or something like that. <laughs> from O'Hara's, a brewery. <laughs> So, yeah, this is a premium Irish malt whiskey matured in ex-bourbon barrels, which seems to be a common theme of Irish whiskeys, uh, finished in O'Hara's Imperial Stout and Winter Star Spiced Pale Ale casks at our Atlantic Ocean warehouse. Um, apparently, this was a, 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 what the, um, uh, the guy that gave us a, a, a tour of the facility, he said it was a happy accident because they were all supposed to be uh, Imperial stout barrels or casks that they got from uh, the brewer, but they ended up with uh, like one or two winter star spice pale ale casks. <laughs> so they ended up with this uh, actually what became a very interesting flavor uh, or an interesting finish to the, to the Irish whiskey. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's just give you the details on it. Mash bill. I don't know. I, there's rules on the mash bill. So I'm assuming it follows the rules. <laughs> what is that? Like up to has to be like around 30% something, something, something. something. I, I don't know enough see. about Irish whiskey. So we're just going to have to go with whatever you say. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Google it. It's whatever. They, they didn't have it on their website. So anyway, so the proof is 99. Uh, so it's 49.5% ABV. It's from County Cork. Uh, Ireland, actually uh, in the town of Clonakilty. <laughs> so pretty easy to find on the map. <clears throat> uh, color is light amber. The distiller's nose, which I read off the back of the bottle, uh, is a vanilla custard, candied ginger, hot chocolate, nutmeg, and cinnamon. Uh, the distiller's taste, also off the bottle, ginger cake, cardamom, fudge brownies, and lemon peel. It almost looks like words you're use, you use all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the finish, of course, is warming allspice, chocolate, and orange oil. Uh, the price was uh, 50 euro ooze, <laughs> or euros, <laughs> for uh, 70, 700 milliliters. And the rating on this one is, um, yeah, very good. Very, very, very good. We actually had the, uh, they had a double cask, or double oaked, sorry. 
a double oaked version as well, which we also bought a bottle of, and I already finished that, so I couldn't review that for you. Um, but that one was really nice too. It had a kind of a um, kind of a peppery type finish, and um, so having that as kind of like the base, and then having one of these finished inside of beer casks. Um, really kind of showed like the, the variations that you can get from basically the same original product. And uh, yeah, it's um, it, it kind of smooths down all the edges and it, it really makes a nice, uh, nice sipping, um, nice sipping whiskey. Mm. Can't get enough of it. Yeah. I might buy an extra bottle of this to come home with, but it is a small batch too. So it's a small run of 950 bottles and I'm not sure I can get that one right down the street. So we might have to, Rent a car, drive south for a little bit, but <laughs> I'm sure no one minds us doing that. So, uh, yeah, Clonakilty uh, single malt Irish whiskey finished in casks from O'Hara's Brewery. Apparently, they've done a few other beer finishes as well with some American breweries like uh, Pelican Brewery and stuff like that. Um, you can check it all out on their their website. I'm not sure if any of that stuff ever makes it back, and I didn't ever ask the guy if they uh, do any distribution back to the u.s because they are actually doing um you know pairings or whatever finishes with uh, u.s brewers basically um but uh yeah interesting uh, interesting story uh very nice distillery i posted pictures of it in the hedonism chat channel when we went there of uh, the single pot stills or what, what, whatever copper i don't even know whatever i, I was just there <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway yeah it really really cool the three copper pot stills yeah the copper pot stills um yeah beautiful facility really designed for for being functional and uh and viewable like you can see the stills right from the street and uh it's just a really beautifully clean facility um and the tour was great we really liked the tour so if you're ever in ireland go check them out yeah, I think most of the Irish whiskey is done in pot stills, and pot stills tend to create a richer, bolder flavor in a whiskey, and that's why they are used. They they don't have the yield. They have lower yield than column and hybrid stills, but most of the distilleries that use pot stills do it because of the, the better flavor that comes out of the product. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. They talked about the processes, and they have like three different stills for the three different like distillations and stuff like that, and how they have like a a low cut and a high cut, and then like you know, the lows and the highs get back mixed into the earlier stills. I don't know the whole kinds of stuff. It was really interesting, and it was basically from from grain to you know into barrels. It was uh, basically a Five to seven day process, something like that. Five or seven days, something, something like that. Like just a week, just under a week, I think. And, and one thing I will say about stills in general, just uh, regardless of the kind of still, stills are as much about appearance as function anymore. Some some stills that I've seen in some of the distilleries and breweries around are amazing works of art. They're beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. These these were no different. Yeah, so I mean, copper like copper and steel fittings, uh, usually like um, silver plated or or uh, plated uh, fittings, and and just massive uh, pieces of 
intricately formed copper just just make beautiful devices that are that are also functional to create yeah. beautiful <laughs> so and i just pasted the picture again in the hedonism chat channel for the people that are here live with us and yeah they did look quite beautiful <laughs> Very good. Well, that takes us down to the end of the show. We've gotten through the amateur radio. We've gotten through the open source. We've gotten through the hedonism, and we hope you enjoyed all of it. And we hope you'll visit us again for the next episode and in a couple of weeks for the next weekender. We really appreciate each and all of you being here. Who listen live, like Dan, KF5TQN, John, K1BTZ, and Ted, WAZ0EIR, and all the people who download the show for later enjoyment and also those who support the program and help keep the lights on couldn't do it without you and we wouldn't do it without you so thanks everybody we look forward to hopefully seeing you all live at hamvention and maybe some upcoming other events and uh hope you have a great couple of weeks and make sure to join in for the next episode which will be episode 457 in just a very few short days thanks everybody for listening We'll talk to you all again very, very soon. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's one 909 547-7469 Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. <laughs>